So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Welcome back to another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast. Archie here, your host, as always, joined by Leo and Toby, and round 15 of Super Rugby on the weekend, and the second round of the Rapid Rugby as well, of that Pacific showcase for us to talk about. There's a little bit of news as well coming up, but let's get to that once we get to those specific games. Let's start with players of the round, and Leo, I think you have someone for us this week. I do. I have a a player who has definitely been uh, underrated, and overlooked perhaps, uh, maybe should be more in the frame for Wallaby's conversation, the unheralded Damien Fitzpatrick of the Waratahs hooker with uh, one of the best uh, line-out conversion rates of any player in the competition. Uh, and he's actually the leading front rower, uh, sorry, leading tackler in all front rowers in the competition. So he's getting his set pieces right. He's doing a lot of hard work for the Waratahs. Unfortunately, they're not having a lot of success, but he as an individual, I think, is actually playing pretty well. And he did, in a losing game on the weekend, he did play well and stand out to me. And I think he just deserves a little bit of a pat on the back because he's, he's definitely not in me- many of the mainstream uh, reporting, sort of the you know top Wallaby potential selections. And the guy's putting in the hard yard. So good work, Fitzy. I hope, I hope you... Um, get some just reward for all your hard work do you think he deserves to be in that wallaby conversation you said he's he's someone that doesn't really feature in that he's never in anyone's team he's never in anyone's squad but to, and to be honest there's a lot of good hookers at the moment that they all seem to be standing up but it depends what you need from your hooker and you know we talk about mobile hookers that can sort of add to the backline play add add to the offense um you talk about hookers who you know patch on the end of the mall there like a Falau Fainga and, and constantly ride it in for a try but ultimately if your hooker isn't consistently throwing well in the line out and delivering that ball in the scrums as well you know that that's sort of his strength at the moment and, and he's injecting himself around the field too so it, it's pretty hard to measure them all up and, and compare apples with apples they're all different styles of players but I think he should definitely be in the conversation and it really depends on the combinations and mix that the uh, that the Wallabies selectors find they end up with, and unfortunately, if the rest of the Waratahs aren't playing that well, there might actually not there might not be that many Waratahs in the tight five, which probably counts against him. Yeah, I think that's definitely fair enough. He's probably is a victim of circumstance in some aspects, especially with Tolu Latu stealing a lot of the sort of press at the Waratahs as well. He's sort of been the quiet man in the background. Toby, how about you, sir? Made it. I'm going to go with a pretty easy selection this week in the the K train, TK, whatever you want to call him, Tavita Kurandrani, hat trick of tries. Again, just keeping that form, that really strong form he's been showing for the last couple of months at least. Um, only thing I can fault him on is the lack of beard. I want the beard back. I think it adds <laughs> to the power. Um, I'm not happy with the clean shaven TK, but look, apart from that, I can't fault him. You want him 
mirroring what Corey Beatty's doing, getting the full sort of James Harden point going out there? I'm not sure about the point. I, I liked a more rounded angle or tighter, tighter knit weave on, on TK's beard, but whatever he wants to do. If he wants to grow it out until the end of the year, then go for it. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, definitely looking good on the end of a couple of those Brumbies tries. A really good showing from them over the weekend. For myself, I went a little bit further afield and went to the South African derby and the Sharks were hosting the Lions. Uh, and this was a bit of a close one and it was a tussle back and forth, particularly between two of the Sharks and Lions outside backs. Lionel Mapu for the Lions played very well here, but he was outdone just by Makazole Mapimpi. Yes, the man with two phones uh, did some great things showing up in all different places in this game, T- making a try-saving tackle, knocking the ball out of Mapo's hand, as well as getting an intercept uh, late in the game when the Lions were on the 5 meters line, about to score, and he takes it 95 meters uh, to close out the game for the Sharks, really. So, Makazole Mapipi, he definitely deserves those two phones this week. But Archie hasn't pulled the phones out, I think, since he played for the Kings, is that right? I haven't seen them for a long time. No, I don't think definitely he's, not the double. He hasn't done it uh, this year at all. I think there was one stage he pulled out one phone last year, but maybe, he's definitely maybe it's like a booty call thing. Call me. Yeah, maybe, maybe he's, maybe he's got a girlfriend with, now. With yeah, one of the telecom he's been locked, locked down into a serious relationship, and he's gone to just paging as well. So no mobile phones for him. But like the Sharks have got Cell C on their on their jersey. The mobile phone company, I think. So he should just get that going. You could put him in the commercials. It'd work well. <laughs> that would actually be perfect. I would buy a selfie phone, even though it doesn't work in Australia just for that. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so we have lots to cover in the Super Rugby games, but I thought we'd switch it up and we'll start with the Rapid Rugby. We had the Western Force starting off in their Pacific Showcase this week and they were headed over to Fiji, which we thought would be a bit more of a challenge for these guys from Perth because Fijians had such a good outing against the Samoans last week and it was reasonably close, it was three tries each uh, Isaac Fines and McGregor got across for the Western Force um, but just the kicking of the Fijians let them down a little bit because they ended up only with 15 points while the Western Force kicked all three conversions and two penalty goals uh, AJ Alatimu there playing at 10 um, in place of Deegan to get the force to win 27-15, still undefeated in this competition. And still no one can quite match the force. Uh, and, and we thought this Fijian team as well, having had a bit of time together in the NRC, would be showing some good combinations. But uh, I guess the force have had a similar ex- uh, experience and, and have been playing well together as well. So uh, force charge on. They're, they're definitely... Do, do we remember the, the bet or the proposition we put out at the start of the season who was going to have more wins the force or the Sunwolves uh, I think both yeah. of you said the force were going to win more and I yeah, just thought force, the Sunwolves sure. might be closer I think I made an argument for the Sunwolves and to be honest when they were looking a little bit um, dangerous early on before they got that news that they were going to be out That's it. in a year and a bit's time um, I, I was actually I was actually thinking it was going to be a lot closer but as it turns out force definitely uh, winning that battle and I, I don't want to speak badly of the Western Force, you know, seeing as the, the amount of stuff they've been through, but I don't think they'd get a win in Super Rugby if you put that team out on the park at the moment. They still do need some star players in there. Um, but they're doing well with what they've got, and they play well as a team, score plenty of points, and they're undefeated so far, so you can't really fault them in, in Rapid Rugby. 
That's right, and we'll see whether either of these other teams can pose a little bit more of a threat. Uh, Western Force coming home and hosting Samoa this Friday night um, back at HBF Stadium. All right, let's rewind back to the start of the weekend with round 15, and we started off in Waikato, and the Reds were heading over to the play the Chiefs, the first game without Samu Karevi, their captain in this, and the Chiefs also without a, a big name in their back line, Anton Leonard-Brown missing from this one. And Chiefs started hot early, but um, Reds really ground back in the second half, stopping really the Chiefs scoring anymore, but they couldn't quite get to them. 19-13, the Reds just fall short. Yeah, really unfortunate for the Reds. I, I had tipped the Chiefs in this one, so I was kind of selfishly hoping the Chiefs would hold out and keep to that that margin they were at. But um, difficult to watch the Reds uh, try and try and try, particularly that second half, they lifted so much. And um, the Chiefs equally, I suppose, their, their defence really lifted to keep them out. Um, it was a really lopsided stat line in that that second half. Just so much ball for the Reds, so much... So many meters and so much defensive work for the Chiefs, um, but I feel like the the Reds, not just in that last effort, but in a couple of spots in this game, just showed a little bit of um, a little bit of immaturity, making making silly decisions like so their first their first attacking raid they got to like nineteen phases, and when when it was just a matter of time, it just felt like they were going to get there, but um, I think it was um, Scott Hansen Young. Who, who did a double movement just trying to force the ball and it just it just felt unnecessary just keep doing what you're doing another phase another phase and you'll get there and then um, for that final for that final effort when they were grinding at the Chiefs and they were hot, being held out and Brendan Payne Ramosa pinched the ball tried to jump over the ruck and, and sort of burrow in between players already on the ground to get the try you just think that's the game's going to end if you don't get that the game's over and you've picked possibly the worst position just behind the ruck to try and get that down. It just, it felt like they, they squandered uh, good opportunities in both those situations. And um, that's, that's, you know, that's a lot of points they left out on the field. I mean, Leo, you mentioned some crazy stats in this one. The chiefs had 29% possession. They had 27% territory. They missed 32 tackles. To the Reds 19. They made 257 tackles total and then they conceded 13 penalties and the Reds only conce- conceded three. Yeah. So the Reds had the, if you look at the stats on this game, the Reds should have won it easily. But somehow the Chiefs the just pulled half. these tries out of, out of nowhere and were able to hold on. And Reds may be hard done by a little bit with a couple of these TMO decisions, but at the same time, they can't be relying on those 50-50 calls to get them over the line. They need to convert these opportunities into points. Well, they had yeah. about three different times where they got up to around 20 phases within sort of the five-meter line of the Chiefs and couldn't convert. And it seemed like they sort of went to the pick-and-drive sort of movements early and didn't really stray away from that too much, whether that's just on the forwards or whether that's maybe someone like Tate uh, McDermott or, Bra- or Hegarty not sort of recognising that they need to change the point of attack a little bit, that the Chiefs are keeping up that defence around the ruck pretty well. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. They, they could definitely have made some more variation. But I, I still think, and it's obviously more likely as they go, they're going to spill the ball or, or have it turned over the more rucks they, they have. But they were still doing a good job. And I just wanted to see them 
um, persevered, just not doing anything silly, not try and force it. it. It felt like it was coming, but they they just um, yeah tried to force it and didn't work out. And obviously, it's frustrating when the Chiefs get. I think probably two of their tries were questionable. One one definitely I think was was not a try. Mm. Um, certainly that forward pass, but um, equally, you know, Lucan um, Sokaloto was. Uh, in a good position to make a tackle and, and save that first try and just put a really sloppy high effort in. And this is a guy we're talking about a lot as a potential blindside for the Wallabies. And I see something like that, and then I think about other guys who might be trying to take that spot, and I don't see that kind of sloppy effort from a Luke Jones or perhaps a Jack Dempsey. I think it's a real letdown of his game if he's going to be a barnstorming attacker but be sloppy in defense like that. He actually did that uh, for two of the Chiefs tries. That one yeah. from the number eight, and then later on, just five meters out when they went, he missed a tackle as well uh, to send the Chiefs over for their third try. It's that sort of play that's unacceptable. And I've seen him do it for the Wallabies as well, where he slips off high. He doesn't get his body height down. Um, look, he's still developing as a player. He's only 22. We've seen a fair bit of him in the last couple of years, but he does have a lot more to give. I think he can develop a lot more, and he he's going to be a damaging player going forward. He just needs to keep that you know discipline, consistent play, just doing the basics right, and I think he'll be really powerful in that Wallabies team. This Reds team, though, I think Brad Thorne keeps alluding to their age in the forward pack, saying, "Look, there's you know no one under the age of 22." I think it's a story we need to stop talking about. We know that they're young, we know that they're a little bit inexperienced, but we've got to stop using that as an excuse. And I think. Brad Thorne should stop bringing it up at press conferences because it's, it is a defense to his job, I guess, and saying, look, this is a team that needs more time. And I think that is true. But stop alluding to the age. Just get on with it. We know this is a three- to five-year plan for the Reds. They're going to come good at the end of this. They are doing well, and I think he's just got to focus on the positives and stop alluding to their age. He's not alluding to their age. He's made a point, and so has he's made all his players make a point of not saying we're a young team. They don't use the word young. Like you look at Samu Krovis in a lot of his post-match conferences, they go, he goes to say it, and then he goes, no, no, that's not a thing. Well, like yeah, but in the press conference on the weekend, he goes, mate, we've got every guy in that pack was 22 years and under today, so we've got a lot to give. You know, these guys. They've got a lot more development in them. Like, he went straight to that point. He used that. He actually quoted the age, mm. which is true. Like, and we've, but we've heard that before. We heard that at the start of the season. I just think he needs to drop that line. I do um, agree with you around Karevi. He said, he has said before, look, that's not an excuse. We're a team picked for Queensland. We need to perform. It doesn't matter what, what age we are. If we're playing in a starting lineup, we should be ready. Yeah. You know? It doesn't mean they're not going to get better, but they are ready. They're competing at this level. They did well in New Zealand, mm. you know. Coming within six points without their starting centre combination, you know, their forward pack is pretty much full strength at the moment, but, you know, the back line's still a little bit, you know, inconsistent in terms of selection. So I think they've got a lot more to give. We know next year they're going to be better, but hopefully they can just finish strong in this conference. And the Chiefs continue to upset people and... Though they may be out of playoff race yet, they're still going to play havoc, I think, with a few of these standings before the end of the season. Uh, second game of the Friday night, and we had the Brumbies back at home at GIO Stadium at their fortress, hosting the Bulls. 
We all know what the Bulls did to the Rebels. Uh, and the Brumbies didn't let them do it to them. So they started pretty evenly. But again, the second 40, we mentioned already TK uh, got his hat-trick in this. But the Brumbies, 22-10, take this one. And look, this is this is the game that we were focused on for the Brumbies to show, look, they've got that real poise, that quality about them. You know, Andre Pollard wasn't there for the Bulls, but it doesn't take away from the win. The Bulls had a really strong lineup. Um, they didn't score a point in the second half. So the Brumbies are doing it on both sides of the ball. I think, as a group, they're working well together. They're obviously happy as a team. They're getting re- results at home, which is something we alluded to at the start of the season. You kept going on about it, Arch. They wanted to make it a fortress again down there, like the good old days, and they're doing that. And look, it's it's rewarded them. They're top of the conference now, and they're looking with their run home. They could secure that and get a home final. Yeah, it was a, it was a really fair contest. The Bulls were really ferocious in defense. Like they they were caught out regularly offside because they were pressing so hard to try and disrupt the Brumbies. Um, they were there trying to um, you know rough up Powell and. Uh, I think I think the Brumbies did well to to stay in the contest. They they stumbled on their first possession. They they kind of gave the Bulls a bit of a um, a bit of a chance to get mentally on top. But they they stayed in it. And as as the game wore on, they just choked them out. It was just a bit of a suffocation. Um, and the yeah, obviously TK had a great game. The Brumbies scrum stood up the Bulls. Um, when they're on their line in the 53rd minute, that was that was impressive. You know, that's gritty sort of forward stuff that the Brumbies are known for, and and that that's the sort of um, a few, you know a few successive moments like that. That's the sort of stuff that really gets the team's energy back up later into the into the piece, and and they just look smooth. And they had some big guys coming off the bench. Valentini off the bench, um, I immediately noticed him. And had to just do a quick double take. Who was that? And then I realised it was Valentino. He's grown his hair a bit more. I didn't quite recognise him. I had to check his nat- number on his shirt. But um, look, brought a lot of energy off the bench and kept the guys going through to the 80th minute for to get this win. So really good game. And and Brummie's looking very solid. Yeah, they're going to be tough to take down. Another man I thought that's really stood up, and it's a guy Toby. You were hoping he kept that number 12 jersey, and it was a Ray Simone. Uh, had a really solid game. I think for uh, TK's third try, he had about three touches in the play, making a kick, then making a turnover, then throwing that final pass to TK um, for the try. So really injecting himself into this game. He also set up uh, a try with a slick little out-the-back ball to Henry Spade um, off first phase as well. So good game for him, definitely an attack. He's he's got so much quality about him. He can kick the ball well, tactically, and just you know for touch, he's got a bit of um, distance on that. His passing game is silky smooth. He can throw some really long, you know, precise balls, um, and he he's got a damaging running game as well. I I think he has a lot of talent, natural talent. I just think sometimes he's down on confidence. If he is inconsistent in a number of games, he does lose confidence. I think at the moment. He's starting to realize, look, I can do this. I can play to the level that, say, TK plays to, the level that Spate's starting to play to again, you know, level that sometimes Tom Banks plays to as well. If he can, continues to hold on to that 12 position and forms a nice converse, uh, combination with TK, and then you've got Christian kind of directing him around, I think he's got a lot of prospects going forward. Maybe even for the Wallabies next year, you don't know. I, I don't think he's going to come into World Cup calculations, but... 
if you see him for a couple of seasons, play there at 12, I think he's a real asset. Especially with a combination with TK. Like, T- we know TK is going to be around for another couple of years, I think. Recently yeah, I think re-signed. Right. Yeah. So, so, you know, another opportunity. We want to see these sorts of combinations. We know that the South Africans and the New Zealanders thrive on uh, getting these combinations developed at a super level and carrying them through to their to their national side. So definitely opportunities there for him. And, yeah, I agree. He's been, you know, much better since he's come back in and Tom Wright's hit the bench. Uh, how do we feel about Henry Spate in the winger stocks? Is he... He's actually Still can't like, trust him, I don't think. Yeah, I know what you're like saying. The, the defense it's a trap. has gotten better. It is, I think it's a trap. I agree it's a trap. <laughs> he, does, a trap. He, does this, he does this. I just wanted to see if anyone would bite. I go fishing with that. But he has okay. He has see, actually gotten better. But I, I don't see, think he can ever see that traffic. Yeah. We, 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 he against... can turn on a dime and suddenly be that defensive liability, have an awful game. Hmm. Dracon is just being like the cheeky ex to Checker, just sending a text to be like, did you see me last night? Did you 100%. see what I did? It's like, I could what be if, yours again. <laughs> what if Naivali goes down? What if Korobiti goes down? I'm not trying to put them all in the same box, but they're similar players. You could see him coming into that squad. He does still have attacking quality. It's just against some of the better international sides he gets showed up in defence. Yeah, I think it's a massive trap. So um, I would good, say no, but I, I see what you're saying, Leon. He, he is playing well. Let's give him credit. He is playing well, but I'm not sure it's his year for the Wallabies at least. So, and we're talking about a few signings there, and we saw also Scott Seo signing for another two years on with Rugby Australia and the Brumbies. So, good to see that that front row is really shored up and it's going to be a consistent performance, I think, from the Brumbies and probably for the Wallabies as well. Um, and probably some sadder news David Pocock, who hasn't really been a feature of Super Rugby. Everyone's been waiting to see when that calf was getting sorted out and he's finally sort of called time on Super Rugby at least and been aiming to now uh, just affect rehab really to try and make himself ready for the World Cup and really not even focusing on anything else before then. I think it's sad to see him, you know, we're not going to see him probably in a Brummies jersey ever again. Um, I'm not sure if this was an active decision on his part or more a decision of Rugby Australia and the Brumbies coming together and saying, look, this is the best thing for the national side and put that to Pocock later on and perhaps he's agreed to it because it does make sense. But I think for the Brumbies, it, it gives those guys that have performed well in, in that back row, guys like Tom Cusack, guys like, guys like Jerome Brown, mm. who have been holding their place, but they would have always had that thought that Pocock's going to come back at some point and one of us will probably have to drop out. The, the fact that there's some clarity around that now, I actually think that really helps their finals campaign um, because they've been performing well without Poe in there. He's always going to be an asset to bring back into a team, but why disrupt something that's working well? I think, you know, the most most important thing is that the Wallabies get him back at some stage, whether that's Rugby Championship or World Cup. But we've got to manage those injuries going forward. He's, he's still a little bit delicate and you can't be forcing that rehab. It takes time and I think they've realised that. Yeah, all I can say is I'm I'm sad for for Poe that he's not going to go out on his his terms, uh, but you know it's encouraging that he's now got some time to get right and and focus on World Cup or Wallabies representation at least, uh, hopefully for the Rugby Championship, but otherwise uh, the World Cup and and you know he can play 
a really important role off the bench if he's not up for a full 50, 60 or 80 minutes. Um, so I'm sure he'll his new situation will be factored into the Wallabies' plans. And uh, I, I, he's such a talismanic player. Like I think he's he really brings a lot to the guys. So certainly I'd, we expect to see him in the squad. And that's the thing. He's still going to be off the field for the Brumbies. He's going to be contributing. He's going to be supporting those younger guys and really offering some knowledge mm. um, coming into finals. So, you know, the journalists were asking, you know, does it, if the Brummies were to win a title, you, would you feel like you're, you know, you're unhappy not being a part of it? And he said, look, I'm a part of it. I'm still in that 35, 40 man squad, whatever it is. Um, we're all contributing. There's a 23 every week and that goes out, but all those guys are training hard, supporting the guys that are going to start. Um, and it has to be seen as a full squad effort. So, if they get a title in the end, he'll have a ring or whatever, however they celebrate. He'll get that acknowledgement as well. It's just sad we, we're not going to see him um, pull on that jersey again. Yeah, definitely. Farewell, Bam Bam. Bulls, on the other hand, no points out of this one at all. and uh, They've still got two more games in New Zealand, heading across to Auckland for the Blues and playing the Highlanders at home before uh, the end of this competition where they have one final game versus the Lions and they're sitting at seventh now overall. So... At real risk of now falling out of the playoff contention, really, if they don't uh, take at least one, potentially two wins in these last three rounds. It's crazy, this South African conference. Like, it's all up for grabs. Um, the closest we've ever seen it, isn't it? And yeah. you've got that. so many of those teams. They can be up and down, but they can just kind of win from nowhere. So I think it's really exciting for this time of year. Yeah, four teams currently in the top eight from the South African conference, which is... Mm. Uh, insane sort of statistic at the moment. Going on, we have the Rebels were over in Tokyo playing the Sunwolves and uh, a little bit of a disappointing display here from the Sunwolves, but Rebels showing their attacking flair, 52 points to 7, uh, multiple tries to Marika Korobiti as well as Jack Maddox, gets himself back up to equal tied first in Super Rugby try scored with 10 as well, um, but the Rebels take the bonus point here and um, secure themselves in that sort of top half, but secure themselves definitely second in the Australian Conference. Yeah, they've really extended the gap on the the Waratahs and the Reds now, and, and this will be a good confidence boost. They they looked solid. It took them took them a little while to score the first points in this one, but um, once they started laying on the tries, it didn't really stop. And the Sunwolves stole one back uh, midway through the game, but they did look like they were just lacking e- uh, effort and and interest in this. Um, obviously, when you're getting blown out, that's hard to maintain the rage. But we've seen them just bring the energy for 80 minutes, even in a, a losing situation earlier this year, and they just didn't look they didn't look interested in this game. So that's a bit disappointing, especially when their home crowds have been pretty solid. Uh, but the Rebels, the backline looked really slick. Hodge is really um, gelling with the guys there at 13. He's he's cutting some really sharp lines, um, busting through the defence. And, and, and getting some really good flat balls from, from Quaid. Uh, so definitely uh, tricky for Tom English there to try and wedge his way back into that back line. It doesn't look like it's going to happen without someone falling foul of injury. Yeah, like I, I called this one. I thought that the Rebels would score a lot of points. I was thinking more 40, and I thought the Sunwolves would kind of match them. Um, but this margin of 45 points was kind of unexpected. Can't really blame the Sunwolves for kind of losing interest, I guess, with their future up in the air and some of these players probably looking at um, what they're going to be doing next year. But 
Um, bit sad to see, seeing as though they have had a decent season. Um, but the Rebels, look, they needed this win. They've got a tricky run home, but they'll be fired up now. I think Quaid looks confident again. Those passes were sticking. You know, They look like they were kind of regathering some of that early season form. Um, and hopefully, you know, we want to see the Rebels do well. We want to see them in the finals for the first time. I think they can do it. I think, you know, they've got a couple of home games to finish now. They need to win those because otherwise they're playing the Crusaders way and that's going to be really tough. A few people returning from injury for the Rebels. Good to see um, Adam Coleman back in the second row and Jordan Ualisi off the bench, a uh, name that people keep bringing up in terms of World Cup selections, but is actually getting back on the field and showing it. Didn't have a huge amount of time in this one, but still uh, good to see him back out in Super Rugby. Yeah, always good got... to see a guy with a lot of potential coming back from injury, and that's that's just another hooker in the conversation, uh, making life hard for Damien Fitzpatrick, who still can't get his name in an article. But I would be very surprised. Like Jordan Ulysses, obviously lots of potential, but so little game time this year. Do we really think he deserves to come in over the top of a guy who's been plugging away for 14, 15 games so far? I don't know, but I've seen Checker do this before where he, he likes a player and he picks him on limited preparation, limited game time. It's tricky, though, because if you have Tatafu in there as a certainty and if you have Falau Fanger in there, then you've got guys like Murphy who have been pushing really hard for this. Even Rangi you could consider, Damien Fitzpatrick, Ulisi. So it depends which way he's going to go with that. With Tolu Latu out of the picture, it makes it a little bit easier. But that third hooker spot is really still up for grabs, I think. I think Rangi would be feeling really rubbed the wrong way because he has been there yeah, for games good. and games and games. And we've talked about him. He's been very good in certain games. He's He's been just a, a, a bit part in some, but he's been pretty critical to their success so far in the season. There's a reason why they're up high on the table. And those forwards have been, you know, giving lots of opportunities to the backs, and he's a big part of that. So yeah. for him to not even get a he's another one who doesn't really rate a mention in most articles and yet he's there in one of the top two sides doing it every week yeah yeah you're right there and that's not Ulysses that's not Ulysses they're picking on potential I think I'm not sure they should be doing that in the World Cup year if the guy hasn't been playing he hasn't been showing and really earning that spot in the team I'm not sure you can pick him let's keep moving obviously Rebels just improving but we'll see how they go against a bit of tougher competition next week versus the Tars but the Tars, back home at Bankwest Stadium, second time playing there, second time with a loss against someone from the South African Conference. The Haguaros came to town, and the Waratahs losing this one, 15-23. And how unfair is it that the Haguaros get to play their international team in Super Rugby? Can I just oh, say, shut up, Phil Kearns. <laughs> like, I know most people have been thinking it for a long time. I used to put up with his comments. I used to think he was a bit funny at times, but he's just becoming ridiculous with the things he says. It's disrespectful to these teams. Like the Waratahs have a lot of international experience. They the Wallabies in their in team, their, in their starting team. Yeah, the, exactly. The, exactly. Imagine if Falau was there. Yeah. Even worse. That's right. So let's just stop making excuses. The Waratahs need to be better. That's two games out at Western Sydney that they should have been playing well for some fans that are probably for the first time coming to see a live game of the Tars in a new stadium in a great environment, and they don't perform. So let's stop making excuses. Phil Kearns needs to shut up, needs to focus on his commentary and improve that because at the moment he's just calling out people, being inappropriate. And the Haguaras are a great story, I think, 
The yeah. Sunwolves have failed. We don't want a team that's succeeding, that's testing our Australian teams, being kicked out of Super Rugby and isolating another market. So he needs to think about what he says before he says it. Luckily, I don't think he's in a position to influence any of this stuff, and and he's just one of many voices in a, in the Australian media who mm-hmm. has a funny point of view on things. We've seen them picking their teams and and pushing these unusual views, and sometimes I think it's just trying to cut through uh, against you know the other half a dozen it's ex-players who are all flogging the same thing. It's taking attention off the Waratahs who are paying all these guys to perform, and they're not performing. Yeah, no, that's true you know? as well. Although, and that's so this. The, it's this, making excuses again. Yeah. It's shifting this week attention. was an interesting one, though, because they, they were better in some aspects, but there's still some fundamental stuff that the Waratahs just cannot seem to get get right consistently. So we've seen this tactic uh, from the Wallabies and the Waratahs to, to kick into the middle of the field, to not, not seek the sidelines, try and, try and lift the tempo of the game and really um, you know challenge the opposition's fitness. Uh, and... All I'm seeing is kicks going down the middle of the field and nobody chasing them and giving immense amounts of time to the opposition to reset, you know, get a couple of support runners there and do something with us and with it. And particularly teams like the Haguaras that thrive on that counter, that open play, bit of creative play. That it's I just don't understand this tactic. And whether it's the coaching or the player group who who think it's the right thing, I I don't know who who needs to be sat down and have it explained to them that this is a terrible tactic and not only Gibson. not only is it not a good tactic for this type of opposition specifically but you're not even executing it properly and and whether that's <laughs> it, it looks to me it looks like uh, a lack of effort more than a lack of communication it's pretty well telegraphed when there's three guys you know creating a little train off the back of the ruck and Phipps is going to do a box kick we know what's going to happen and, it's and so predictable. no one is chasing and I just that that's that's really annoying to watch. Uh, again, two two losses in the new stadium. It's hardly building a a record at, the, at your new fortress. And now you got the Brumbies there in a couple of weeks' time as your third showpiece game at this stadium. A hot Brumbies team. They could be zero and three. And how is that building support for rugby in Western Sydney? Well, it's building support for some more Brumbies fans. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's interesting. They actually had. Uh, one of the Central West coaches for rugby on the Fox Sports podcast this week and was talking about how every every one of his teammates out in Dubbo is a Brumby supporter. And it's because no one from New South Wales rugby has ever come out there, but they've had Stephen Larkham out there teaching him and came and had some drinks with him in the pub and turned the whole town pretty much into Brumby supporters. So a few things they're yeah. doing wrong in a few different places. It just and feels like, like the Waratahs aren't that genuine an outfit. Like not not so much the players, but the like the management and the body, the the organisation. Just feel like you know they bring in bring in players who they haven't necessarily developed. They're trying to be successful, but it's just kind of it's a bit of a facade. Like that deep down they're not as committed to grassroots rugby and 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 grinding it out. It's a bit more of a, a showy. Um, contest for them. I, I just don't feel like they're that engaged with their with their fan base. I think they. I think that probably is is the thing. They're not, and I think it probably revolves around rugby being, you know, the feeder. I guess programs for rugby come from private schools, and so people in the eastern suburbs, people in the North Shore, 
they're the people pro- predominantly throwing money behind New South New South Wales rugby. So they get to decide a lot of, you know, how the money's spent, how people do things. And, it, you know, we've been calling for grassroots rugby to be supported more, country rugby to be supported. I think the way Queensland are doing things at the moment is a lot more genuine, and that maybe starts with Brad Thorne. Yeah, I think Andrew Hall does a good job, but I think it's probably a lot of people surrounding him that still need to, to up their game and maybe shift focus to some of these country areas and, and get some of the players out there more regularly. It's been a good thing this year that they haven't just played at Allianz, you know, moving games around a little bit and getting different audiences to games live has been important. But you can see once the new stadium is built in eastern suburbs, that's probably where they're going to go back to and probably play all their games there. Yeah, I think there's definitely more opportunity to play out further afield to try and draw in more fans. And like that type of action would be a, a symptom of, of an organisation that is trying to do uh, more to engage the fans and, and get the whole state behind the team. When you say Brad Thorne has had something to do with Queensland, I actually think, again, he the fact that he's the coach and they've given him so much sway says something about the body behind him, that that's what mm. they're focused on. They can see what he can bring and, and yep. they're probably doing other things like that elsewhere in the state. And it's just you just feel more unification behind that and fan they're, base. They're willing to take risks. I think... The Waratahs, their idea of kind of committing to New South Wales is to bring back um, the branding of the New South Wales Waratahs. That's kind of as far as it goes. Before they dropped that, it was just the Waratahs. The Brumbies had part of New South Wales as a talent pool. But the Waratahs said, no, we want to recapture New South Wales. We're bringing back New South Wales rugby Waratahs. But it is that lack of, I think, genuine commitment to the whole state and putting money into the state overall um, and getting the players out there so they can really sell the team and, and then back it up on the field with some good performances. So I think we can agree that the Waratahs are more or less out of finals contention. They've got three pretty difficult games coming up. Uh, there's obviously the Rebels and the Brumbies coming up being the biggest big two. Um, what do you want to see from these guys in the next couple of weeks in terms of team how the team's playing what selections they're making obviously they lost Carmichael Hunt this weekend MCL or if you're Natalie Ioannidis an MLC injury uh, but he's missing quarters <laughs> that's where she went to school probably uh, she might be thinking about her super <laughs> yeah. but what do you want to see I've, I've yet again saw another game where Sakobi Kepu well in this one he played all 80 minutes um, so the first thing I want to put forward is give that guy a rest uh, he's, Bring back Shembeck Lavui. He's one of your veterans, and he's probably going to be part of your World Cup squad. And if you have an injury or two, he's going to be a major part of that. So he needs a little bit of time off. He's a fifth line prop at the moment. He's fifth in line, I reckon, in the Wallabies setup. He's I, a safety think, net, though. Yeah, he's a safety net, and you do want him there because he's an experienced guy. You want him in the squad. He he's seen it all, um, but he does need a rest. You're right, Arch, and I think. The problem is we just we don't trust our bench that that much. I think Forgetty, I think Forgetty should start at twelve. I think he deserves an opportunity there. I don't think it's going to serve any, um, you know. I don't think it's going to help Bill bring him back into twelve. It's not going to help him for Wallabies. It's not going to help him kind of get that consistency at fullback. Um, the rest of the backline probably. I think Phipps is going to continue to start. It looks like they're going to give him. Why? Why the, is Phipps continuing to start? Well, he's I think leaving. it's because he's. I know that, I know that. But I think it actually 
probably comes from the top, and I think probably Checker wants Phipps with more game time because he sees him as the backup halfback um, for the bench in the last 10 minutes of games for the Wallabies. So I think he wants him as fit as he can be, um, giving him as much game time as he can. And it's touch and go whether Jake Gordon sees the third halfback spot because take, take McDermott's playing so well. There's other guys pushing for that position. So it's a, it does a disservice to Jake. Um, but I think you're going to see Phipps stay there. Fords, who knows? I mean, I'm not happy with our Ford pack. Um, we really miss guys like Dempsey when they're not there. Wells is, I don't think, you Jed. Know, high quality enough at number eight. What do you do with Jed? Put him back in the second row? Yes. I'm not sure. Put him at number eight, maybe leave Hannigan there. I don't know. What's what's the best combination? Put Jack Jed, at number eight. Jed, Jed with Rob Simmons was, was quite good mid-season. That was probably that best. That was oh, our I best. I think that's right? what it's got to go to. I think your back row is where you, I mean, depending on who's fit and healthy, who, who you can put in there. I agree with your Sakopi Kepu uh, point. We should be resting him. Um, Fitzpatrick plays out the hooker role. Uh, Tom Robertson's he you needs know, coming back. He, he needs game time, so he stays. Yeah. And then I agree, back line, I want to see Beal stay at fullback. Don't just drop him back in at 12. I don't think anyone's thinking he's going to be the Wallabies 12 anymore. I think that that line of thinking is is well down the order, particularly with someone like Matt Tamua back yeah, exactly. and always in the conversation. Why would he even be in the conversation if you always if you thought Beal was going to be at twelve? I don't think that's even consideration. So for Beal's opportunities, and I think for the team, he stays at fifteen, and and then it's for Keddy. And I assume it's not going to be something. I assume they're not going to push Adam Ashley Cooper in and bring Rona back into the centres or anything like that. I, I think Rona's definitely. What about Rona yeah. might go to Newsom? He might go to Newsom's wing. I, I could see that though. What about Newsom? I think Rona's been. Nah, uh, he's I can't too small. Oh, he's not that. I don't think he's that small. I just think it's he's a better winger. Um, I don't. They're think, all wingers. Adam Ashley Cooper looks. He does look. Forget old. he's already made. I don't well. like to say it, but he looks old. He looks slow. His carries haven't been effective. Um, he just looks a step well, behind. That's what I'm what saying. Why are we? Why do we continue with these people? Then if well, if you're you've got three we'll games to left, to 13, you've then. only got one more game at home. That's probably the one you want to focus on. You've got two games away. Why aren't you giving these guys... Because you, you're worried that you don't have enough experience in these guys. And if you don't give yeah. people experience, then next season they're going to come into and they're going to have no experience unless you buy another five players that don't fit. Well, I should Ronan... totally understand where you're coming from, but the difference this year is because it's a World Cup year, Czech is going to be imposing his thoughts on a team that has nothing else to play for. Which I think, I think that's the only difference. Well. If, this was, if this was another year and it wasn't a World Cup then absolutely the Waratahs should be getting selfish and thinking of themselves, but they're going to have the overarching, unified R- Rugby Australia angle pretty pretty heavily pressed on them, I would think. And, and yeah, unfortunately, that means Phipps probably keeps playing, even though we all think you, he's not as good as Gordon. Adam Ashley Cooper still thinks he can make that World Cup squad. I guarantee you that. And the egos within the Waratahs still think they can make the finals. They, they're saying that openly at press conferences. If they win well in th- their last three games, a mm. couple of bonus points, they're still in the running in their, their minds. So they're not going to throw in the towel at this stage of the season. If they get one more loss, maybe. Um, but this week, you're going to see a full-strength team. I don't know what you do. with Ron- Like, Rona's leaving for London Irish next year. You've got guys like Newsom have re-signed. So he probably deserves to stay there. He's played relatively well. I think Cam Clark's played well as well. Um, like we talked about, Curtly should be at the back. So then it's it probably is for Keddie and Adam Ashley Cooper in the centres. 
Mac Mason's not going to get a start, so you got Foley at 10. And we think Gordon should be at 9, but it's going to be Phipps. And their forwards are just kind of underperforming and they can't find the right combination. So we can keep talking about that. But I think this season's gone. They need to bring in a few more quality players, I think, and, and spend their money wisely because at the moment they spend money on guys like John Folau, Ruit, Ruit, I can't even say his name, that's South African lock, which we haven't Ruit, even seen him. Yeah. And now he's, you know, he's hanging out with Folau, he's not playing, like, get rid of him. Like, we don't need him. We don't need John Folau. We need, like, get some guys from Shoot Shield that have been playing their asses off and get them into the Waratahs 15. Guys like Will Miller. Yeah, Will Miller's a good one, but like you, when you talk about just getting some guys, I think the Waratahs' biggest problem is they haven't invested over time to have guys the next level ready. So they are going and getting people who are just oh. dropping in more of, and they're always going to try I and pick out the, the best of the free agents. I think I you're think seeing development. People. I think you're seeing development through guys like Cam Clark and Newsom, for example. I think yeah, that's a good next, example depth, of that. The Jack Dempsey. No, it's not, and that's the problem. Their bench yeah. is weak. So it's too, it's too late weak. to go and just get some guys. No, no. I'm, look, this is for next season. This season, I think, yeah. these guys are now showcasing their ability for the Wallabies. I think that's yeah. the primary focus for them now. Yeah, it is. Okay. We can obviously talk about that for a long time. Um, unfortunately, I think the Waratahs' disappointing season is going to be sort of put to blame a little bit on the Falau controversy, which I'm not sure uh, that can be the entire sort of responsibility for that. Let's go through some of these other games and we can blow through a few of these. Uh, Crusaders versus Blues. Crusaders coming back off the tour, but beating the Blues at Christchurch, 1911. Uh, Crusaders didn't really look like they really got out of second gear here. Um, Blues did put up... Richie Moana. Richie Moana. So good. He's a sweetheart. He is so good. They're yeah, well, so lucky they've got people like him and Barrett. They're just phenomenal every week. Mm-hmm. And just it just makes it impossible for these teams to come into Christchurch and have success. Yeah. Other games we I've had... Been... Oh, yep. Sorry, sorry, Arch. I was just going to say, I think the Crusaders still been dealing with a few things off the field um, with some of the stuff that came out of South Africa. Uh, it looks like, I mean, it hasn't distracted them too much. They're able to come home and, and still kind of... Um, challenge, be challenged by a feisty Blues team, but like you say, they did it pretty comfortably in the end, and they probably weren't right at their best. Um, but yeah, I think they're going to lift for the finals. They're just timing their run. Um, probably been a bit more up and down compared to some years, but the talent's there. The young guys are coming through well. Everyone looks like they're playing as a unit. As we've talked about, they've just got that real depth of you know quality guys coming off the bench. Even guys that have been All Blacks coming off the bench. So, um, look, I think they're still the clear favourites. I don't think anyone's disputing that. It's just who's going to step up to challenge them now. Mm-hmm. Other games in South Africa, we had the Stormers at home taking on the Highlanders. And another game, the Highlanders played well in some aspects. Uh, a late pull out of Joshua Iwani um, through injury made Marty Banks the starting tenner. I think that hurt them a little bit. Uh, they were in this game, but end up with no points. 34-22, to 22, um, the Stormers win that one at home. Uh, still not quite in finals. Uh, they're one place outside of the top eight. And then the other game we had was the Sharks versus the Lions, who I alluded to a little bit earlier to. Um, 27-17, the Sharks take that one. And that's both their derbies against the Lions this year. The Sharks have won. 
And that pretty much capped off a perfect round of tipping for yours truly. Well done, Arch. I, I actually, I feel a bit bad. I think I influenced Leo to pick the Lions on the show last week. I was kind of saying how they've had ascendancy and they were playing well as a unit and the Sharks coming off the bye as well. But last minute, I was like, have to take the Sharks. Change my no, pick. You can't, um, you can't blame yourself because I talked about whether Kerr and Bosch would be at 10 or not. And I'm pretty sure I said if he was at 10, I'd pick the Sharks. And then I didn't actually check. I left my tip mm. at the Lions. So, and interesting, I'm a very, very quick side one here. I don't want to get into it. There's probably not too much to go through. But is there any chance that Kerwin's, Kerwin Bosch's uh, rise in this Sharks team has because he's going to be looked at surely as the third ten other than Yanchis and Andre Pollard. So yeah, not that he was necessarily Could in the be frame in the anyway. Second ten. Yeah, maybe, but but there's basically no chance now. Though there may not have been much of a chance. There's no chance that Robert Dupree goes to the World Cup. Is there? I no, I would say so. no. Yeah, I would. He kind of he's kind of on the edge halfway through the season. I think he, he's, I think out he's now, leaving too early. No I think he's left at the wrong time of his career. Like Andre Pollard is kind of built his way nicely into the spring box, put you know, a good amount of time in for the Bulls, um, and now he's making his jump into France. Um, but Dupree has kind of done half of that and then taken the money more quickly. I think that's done him a disservice. But there well, is there's more talent than normal. Maybe, maybe. They might have said to him, well, yeah, they might have said, look, we see Cohen Bosch as a long-term option. You're both about the same age, um, but he's got... You know, he's got the jump on you, so go Take do what money. you need to do. Dad's giving you a platform. Where you go. It shows how much talent's there in South Africa around 10, though. Like, we do have a little bit of trouble in terms of our stocks at fly half, but they don't. Like, they've got a lot of guys that could step up to the mark, I think. <laughs> Archie does that. I'm just bathing in my Grand Slam bonus points that I got this week, guys. Um, feels good. Feels good. Are you... You're back up to second, aren't you, mate? I am. Back up to second, back, back above you, Toby. So yeah, It doesn't make me happy. Let's see, it's the Waratahs again. Like, it is I the, Waratahs. Too much faith the Waratahs. You guys had too much faith. And I, I keep telling you, the Haguaras well, are good, man. They know you how said, to win. You even said, no, with the Haguaras, you're like, oh, if they rest a few guys in preparation for a you know, winnable Reds game, I could see maybe the Waratahs doing something. But if they play their full-strength team, they'll... They'll get it done pretty easily. They did rest, guys, and they still, you know, got the win quite easily here. So, Tars, I don't know. What do you do? i got to stop picking them. I just have I have faith in them still with their big Wallaby stars, but they keep letting me down. I'll tell you what, you don't pick them this week. How do you get to a Grand Slam point this week, Arch? Get us going. All right, well, we'll start off Friday afternoon, Blues and Bulls. And this is at Eden Park where the Blues have been good. The Bulls need to win a few games, otherwise they're going to fall out of this finals contention. I'm going Blues. What you say, you fellas? This is tough. This is a massive game for the Bulls. Not so much for the Blues, but I think for Pride, they'll they'll be playing hard at Eden Park. Andre Pollard comes back in. I think this big pack will be fired up. I just think they've got a bit more discipline than the Blues, and they're more consistent, so... I think I'm going to take the Bulls. I think in a very narrow win, they can get it done. The Blues don't have as much to play for. I uh, I actually think the Blues will win this. Um, I tipped against them last time they were at home. Uh, even though they had the home streak, I went with the Chiefs for the this you know the the Chiefs are this amazing 
potential just to rise and beat teams um, when they had no right to do so. But no, even though the Bulls are my South African team and I, and I think they're a really good outfit, um, I think the I think the Blues will, will take this one. They, they've been so good at home. I see that continuing. Starting Does off. that sound... Did that sound convincing, Arch, or, or should I just said, Arch, you pick the Blues, so I'm picking the well, Blues. No, you you guys are kind of on the money here. The the Blues have a nine-point margin in this game. They're nine-point favourites, which I think is a bit outrageous, really. Yeah, that seems like a lot. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it at that many. You know, you'd think like three, maybe, two, three points. It's probably uh, the shakiness after the Brumbies game. that They've yeah. just been written off a bit. But the Blues are the Blues. Like you never know who's going to turn up with that team, and I don't know. That's, I think, a bit of money on the Bulls there. Maybe could be the way to go with that nine-point start. We'll see how that evolves after the actual teams are named, though. Uh, Andre Pollard, obviously, you'd expect to come back in for the Bulls um, for Marty Lebok, which will obviously give them a little bit more poise at that number ten. Next game and a game that myself and Toby will be attending in Melbourne. Uh, the Rebels going up against the Tars, number two and three in the Australian Conference. The Rebels obviously off that big win versus the Tars off that disappointing loss. Is anyone going to take the Tars here? I will not be taking the Tars. I wish I was no. on a sneaky secret mission to join you boys too and surprise you, but uh, no, I'll be watching this one from home or from the pub and I will be expecting the Rebels to get a healthy victory. It's it's an interesting matchup because the Waratahs in history have had, you know, kind of the wood over the Rebels. I can't take the Tars in this one. Rebels, I think, will have a very, very strong team. Wouldn't be surprised if Nicerani comes back into that pack. I think they're nearly at full strength now. Um, Tars are just, I think, too soft up front. Rebels have a Rolls-Royce backline that they'll unleash. Um, and this is a clash of the Wallabies. I can see Foley stepping up at Quaid. Should be able to match him, and um, look, I just, I just still think it'll be close, but got to take the Rebels. Well, this is what we highlighted last time these teams burst off. It was really, at that stage, Quaid was the up-and-rising sort of favourite for the 10, and then Foley had an uh, outstanding game, took the ball literally from him and took the position off him uh, to run away with the victory, and it will be whether Quaid can come back and stand up a little bit here uh, to regain a little bit of momentum towards that Wallabies jersey. Yeah, it's yeah, huge. It's an opportunity to make a lasting impression head-to-head. So, big game. Get your eyes on it. A mm. uh, game that's probably not going to turn so many heads, and that's uh, the Sunwolves versus the Brumbies up in Tokyo Stadium. Uh, unfortunately, it's seeming a little bit like the Sunwolves uh, have seen the, the end and seen the light as they sort of pass away from Super Rugby. Uh, we've yet to hear any <laughs> more news. Crim. Pass away. Well, we've let... Not yet, dead yet. Do, you, do you really think that they're going to be part of this competition next year, well, even I, though they're supposed I to be? I don't think they should be. I don't think they should be. It's whether the um, yeah the broadcast still requires them to be. Um, but I, I don't think there's any merit in keeping them around if they're just going to go in a year's time. So it is sad, but I can see why they would be just dropping the bundle here. This is a this is a game that the Brumbies still very much need to win though. Like, obviously, I'm not expecting them to to let it be let it be close. But um, if the Sunwolves feel like coming out and just throwing the ball around and casting the the plan to the wind and just having a having a fun go, you know, the Brumbies still need to be on their game. And and 
I guess it's it's that mentality that every game is important and, and you can't afford to just change your tactics or take your foot off the pedal because you think you need a soft week. Like a team that thinks they need a soft week or wants a soft week maybe doesn't want the championship. So uh, I don't think the Brumbies are that sort of team. I think no. they'll have their heads in the game and I think they'll do this comfortably as well. Yeah, they, I think they need to put the foot on the throat here and really put the same amount of points as the Rebels did on the, the Sunwolves. If they sit back and think, okay, the Rebels win by 45, we can win by at least 20, I think it could be a bit of a trap for them because the Sunwolves can step up. They decide they want to play that day. They can score points. So Brumbies need to be really switched on. Um, there's a lot of distractions up there in Tokyo and need to have their head in the game. This is really going to show whether they're committed to this finals run or not. Yeah, taking the Brumbies for sure here. I think I think they will show exactly what you're saying, Toby. Uh, just going back before we go on, forgot to mention this in our recap, but Will Genia for the Rebels actually suffered a kick to the head and a concussion, fairly significant one on the weekend. If he misses this weekend, does that change your thoughts at all? I think it'll be closer, but I still think the Rebels have enough quality there to... Yeah, to, to get it done. Ruru, Ruru, I think, is serviceable. I don't rate him that highly, but I think he can do a job. He's a pretty physical and abrasive number nine and can ruffle some feathers there with the Tars. Yeah, I mean, that definitely have an impact, though. Like, Genny is just, like, so quick with the ball. Um, if Ruru just focuses on um, continuously firing that ball out from the ruck and doesn't get too cute, uh, the only other thing he's got to do is smash a lopsided sniping fips when he tries to go for tries on his own. Uh, it's not that hard a tr- uh, trick, surely. Yeah. I, I worry sometimes Ruru can be a little bit thoughtless in what he does, but, yeah, you know, in defense, he's good. And he's, he's played well this miss... year when they've needed him. He has. He has. He has. He just, you don't want him to be too psyched up, too fired up, and overplay his hand and kind of give away silly penalties, but they're going to miss Genia. They will. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, if that does happen, how Quaid steps up because he'll be sort of the... I guess the focal point in the backs anyway, but they kind of share it normally. So there'll be a bit more pressure on him. He won't have that support that, that will get near the stable, stable hand. If he starts getting a few loose balls from Ruru. Yeah. I think that's things, how the Tars should up, focus on this. Yeah, they have any chance in this. Ruru, yeah. 100%. It'd be good if they played Jake Gordon to start and let him upset Ruru because he might actually do it. <laughs> oh god come oh, on that's, that's way too smart a move and let's head keep going and we actually head to fiji for the annual sort of uh, i believe the chiefs have had the last couple of years playing uh, a round of their home games in fiji and this is in suva chiefs versus the crusaders uh and we had an absolute cracker of a game last year with the chiefs versus the highlanders um so i'm expecting another really good one here the chiefs love to put up a challenge even to these top teams so the Chiefs last played uh, the Crusaders in Suva in 2017 and went down, but the year before that, 2016, they did upset them uh, in a close game. I think I remember that because it was really unusual. But no, the Crusaders are still the number one dominant side, and I don't think they'll be treating this as a holiday. Again, foot down on the throat all the way through to finals, make sure every other team's afraid of them. Yeah, Chiefs are an awkward team. They play well over in Fiji. They've got a lot of support over there. Um, Crusaders, too much quality. They're too too good for the Chiefs. Good to see Sam Kane back playing well for for that Chiefs team, though. Yeah. Um, getting his head in some of the weirdest places already. He's obviously not scared of 
damaging that neck again, but good to see him back to form and putting some pressure on Artie for that number seven All Blacks jersey. Yeah, definitely. The big problem for the Chiefs at the moment is their lock stocks um, and their two smoking barrels. Uh, but they're playing <laughs> back rowers in the second row pretty much ever every week at the moment with only really Ardron being anyone who has any true sort of experience in that lock position, even though he is probably preferably a number eight. Um, yeah, but... well, I think Jesse Parate is 6-1. Yeah. Ardron's like 6-3.5, and, and that's their, their locking combination at exactly. the moment. So. It's not ideal at all, is it? But they, they continue to fight the Chiefs. Yeah. They're just an awkward team to play. They just continue to struggle. Mm-hmm. Definitely hard to hold down, but I think you're right. Crusaders uh, will be ready and up for this one. A lot of travel for the Crusaders since coming back from South Africa, back to Christchurch, and then heading off to Fiji uh, within three weeks for them. Must must need to watch and check if their stamina holds up for this whole game as well. Um, then heading back to Suncorp on Friday night in the Hagiwaris. Last game of their... Australia-New Zealand tour uh, as they take on the Queensland Reds. And, boys, I'm just giving you guys a hint here. I'm probably going to take the Haguaris again. Yeah. Hard not to. Um, but I think the Reds will take it to them. Hopefully they get you think the Reds that will take back it? line back in or order. take it to them? No, I think they'll take it to them. I, I don't think they can win. Um, but I think they may get close. Haguaris, you got to think of put a full-strength team out. Um, Creevy should come back starting. Miotti probably back to the bench, yeah, I would think. Um, but he does perform well I'd, either way. I'm fine with Miotti starting. I yeah. think he leads that team well, even as a young boy. Got to take the Jags. I think the Reds might surprise a few people. Um, I think they will be really fired up. I think Rodder leads well from the front. Um, huge occasion for some of these you know, big mobile forwards to really get around the park and show their quality. Um, I think it's going to be really entertaining, but give me the Jags. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree. The the Reds will be wearing their uh, Indigenous Round jersey, which we caught on Instagram uh, in the last 24 hours before the podcast, and I think it looks awesome. Uh, I don't know if it'll be able to inspire these young bucks to, to take on the Haguaras. They do look like a, a really well-drilled and really disciplined team, um, far from the, the Haguaras of a few years ago that were playing on emotion and and very f- mentally fragile. These guys are a good match for Brad Thorne's Reds. I think the the older statesmen in the Haguaras will have it. Second last game, we head to Durban. The Sharks at home again, but versing the Hurricanes that are really a bit late on their tour this year. And it's going to be a tough one for them up against this big Sharks pack. And we know the Hurricanes forwards have been a little bit, a little bit dicey, a, a little bit less stable than they have been in previous years. Yeah, look, without their proper starting lineup, uh, this is this is a dangerous game for the Hurricanes. We've had them lose recently. The Haguar is on tour. The Sharks have stood up at home this season. Um, obviously, last week they had a, a the good win against the Lions. They've had a couple of away um, defeats, uh, but you know they they played well against the Waratahs too. Uh, I think I think they can probably probably match pretty well with the Hurricanes, but waiting on the lineups, I'd. I, w- I want to see a full-strength Hurricanes lineup to tip them with confidence. Yeah, massive game for both these teams. And the Hurricanes, I think it's going to tell you a lot about what they can do in the finals here, whether they'll be a threat. Um, they need to play well against a, a pretty hot Sharks team at the moment. Um, Hurricanes, look, their forwards are going to be tested. Artie's going to need to have a big game. Um, they need some front football for some of these backs that can you know, tear teams to shreds. 
I'm going to take the the Hurricanes by about three points, I think. But don't be surprised if the Sharks kind of pull out a victory here because they've got kind of quality along all along that 15 and and a really, I think, you know, a lot of depth in that bench. So they could fire late and, and definitely take this game off the Hurricanes if the Canes aren't careful. Yeah, I'm really feeling like the Canes have this week versus the Sharks and then they head up to Johannesburg versus the Lions. And I really do feel like they're going to lose one of these games. And I feel like it might be more likely to be the Sharks because they're a bit more evenly matched with what the Lions sort of do in that sort of high-tempo game with maybe a bit more mobile forward pack. So depending on lineups, I think you're right. you still got to have a look at this because the Canes can obviously come out and put on 30 points really quickly um, and then just starve the Sharks a little bit to hold on. Um, but it's going to be a really good game, I think. Uh, that takes us to the last game of the round and another South African derby. Lions back home in Johannesburg, Emirates Airlines Park versus the Stormers. And another tough one to call. And we'll go to Leo for his hot take on the South African team. Who knows? <laughs> Honestly, who knows? This might be every, the hardest every, one to pick yet. Uh, every time I see... Uh, like so, this game, I'm thinking, oh, Lions weren't good last week. Stormers actually played pretty well, but then the home, it's the home, Lions are the home team, and and the home team seems to lift. So I feel like I've been um, picking the picking the hot favorite from from the previous week and not taking into consideration the whole picture. I do think the Stormers have um, picked up their act. Uh, I'm probably gonna go the Lions at home. I just think home ground advantage seems to rule at the moment in South Africa. Yeah, I, th- I agree with you, Leo. I think Lions, Kim Lions by one point, I think. I can't pick it. Yeah, who knows? It could go either way. Both of these teams in the finals hunt. Um, this game's important for both equally. Um, and they're both up and down. So who knows? Damn it, Leo. I want to take the Lions. But now I feel like I have to tip the Stormers because <laughs> you never get these right. So He's like the Drake curse for South I get one out of four. Maybe this is your one out of four. I agree. I think the Lions... We saw these teams met in round two uh, and the Stormers took it by two points even though they played so terribly in the first round. So it seems like it is just a situation where the team at home maybe gets that little bit of edge going forward. Stormers haven't really been able to put together uh, consistency over a couple of rounds and look, they tied the Crusaders two weeks ago and then put a good win on the Highlanders. So three weeks in a row, maybe pushing it a little bit for them. Massive game though. I think it. I'm not sure I want to really watch this one, but it's important for the context of that, of that conference. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how they they um, finish up. No one wants to see four teams from the South African conference. though, do they? Well, maybe the <laughs> South African listeners do. That's true. I shouldn't be so biased. Um, <laughs> well, you really your options are four um, South African teams or three South African and three New Zealand teams. I mean, there's no way that the Waratahs or Reds really are making it at this moment. So is it really, is it really matter too much to you? Maybe just for viewing times, it's, it's nicer to have more New Zealand teams in there, but it's not really changing the top four. I would suggest, I think that there's going to be two Australian, two New Zealand. I think there are going to be three South African and and the Haguaras in there. I think that's how it's going to end up, but time will tell, I guess. Time will tell, and it's only a couple rounds till we have the finals picture for us. Uh, we have finished up the voting for your Wallabies picks on Instagram, and we'll release that team next week as well. 
uh, as we put together our, our own sort of running rugby podcast 15 for the Wallabies. And I think we'll have a few things to discuss uh, because a few surprise selections coming out of uh, our humble listeners and followers' views at the moment. Um, but we'll get into that next week. For now... Just quickly, Arch, I think Northern Hemisphere, things were heating up over the last couple of weeks up here with finals. Um, we talked about the Pro 14 final. Leinster ended up dominating that one and got over Glasgow, even though it was actually played in, played in Celtic Park in Glasgow itself. Um, so Leinster, I think a title for the second year running. That's two titles to Scott Fardy to, to add to his cabinet. So really well played by them and a good recovery from losing out in that Champions Cup final to, to Saracens. Speaking of which, we've got the Gallagher Premiership in the UK, um, or England specifically. We've got Saracens versus Exeter Chiefs being played at Twickenham on Saturday. Um, massive game to see if um, Saracens, I think, can go back-to-back here. Exeter haven't had much success over Saracens in recent times, um, so it's going to be a difficult um, task for them. But Saracens with a seven-point advantage at the moment. So if you're a betting man, maybe take the Chiefs plus seven. I think Saracens will get it done and do the double here pains me to say, say it, but Owen Farrell, they're, they're going to be high on confidence, these England guys coming into the World Cup, because um, Saracens, yeah, have a lot of players from that England setup. The more you see these guys and these teams, does it make you want Will Skelton back even more? Yes, break the rules, bring him back, honestly scrap the system. I think the Wallabies in a World Cup year should have the option to do what they want. Um, I think in the circumstances, a guy like Will Skelton, who's in such good form, um, he's dropped the weight, he's playing at a high level. This whole season, he's played well. Um, we need him back. I think he's a real asset. And, you know, what if you pair him with guys like Balatini, Dempsey, Nicerani, um, Isaac Rodder in the second row, and then you got guys like Rory Arnold and Coleman backing that up? Like, what a, what a great amount of depth in that forward pack if we could get him back. But... It's looking unlikely we would have to break the rules, the Gitto rule, um, and I'm not sure he's willing to to sign with an Australian team going forward, so that's not really an option. Unfortunate. Bit sad, bit sad for us all. Uh, I, think, I don't think that many of us down here in Australia really appreciate how uh, amazing his sort of transformation and how much he has become a force up there uh, in the Northern Hemisphere. We do remember him being the big, a little bit ungainly-looking guy that uh, did make a fair few mistakes, but he has absolutely transformed himself if you go and have a look at some of his highlights over uh, the this year, pretty much. Mm. And he's still got that offloading game. He's picked up, you know, he's got a lot more pace now. He's probably dropped, I'd say, 15, 20 kilos, and he's still as damaging with ball in hand. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's a bit of a slide on Australian rugby again that, he spent so many years with the Waratahs and they could never give it, get him to this level, even with the Wallabies. They couldn't get him to this level of fitness. Um, they must have, I don't know what program they got him on up there in Saracens, but it's working really well. And hopefully we can maybe get him back and learn some of the strategies they, they put towards him to, to make him a little bit leaner and trimmer and I think just you know be more of an all-round player. Be the advantage of getting some Northern Hemisphere um, blood in the coaching ranks, bring some of that stuff uh, back down under. We we seem to work within a very narrow pool when we're recruiting our our coaches and, and managers. I'd 
like to see a bit more diversity there because there's definitely things overseas and other competitions we could be learning from. We've just got to be uh, brave enough to, to trust it and not just think we, we already know everything. Yeah, absolutely. I think the UK and even France, the Northern Hemisphere generally, they're really implementing some great strategies. They're on the up and up here, and I think that's why in a World Cup year there's so many teams that are doing well. You've got Ireland as a threat, Wales as a, a threat, you know, Scotland as an outside threat, and England obviously is strong. Um, it's going to be a great year of rugby, but we do need to keep ahead of the curve. Otherwise, these teams are going to overtake us at some point. Exactly, and how good would it be to bring someone like the Saracens assistant coach down to be assistant coach of the Tars next year with a view to taking over the year after something like that? Uh, exactly. It would just be a different taste and obviously they have really good culture up there in a lot of those club teams and it might be something that they need to try and reintroduce back into some of these Australian teams. And you've seen the Crusaders do it already with Ronan Agara spending time there down in Christchurch. Like It works both ways. He's learning some great techniques that New Zealand has and he's also bringing some knowledge from over there in Ireland over his time and his career that he spent there. So. Again, New Zealand thinking a bit more laterally than the Australian teams. Well, that's all from us this week. Uh, we'll obviously be back next week. I think we'll have all three of us in a room, hopefully, for a, a recording session, which should be a little bit of fun. Um, if you're even lucky, you might get a little bit of a video of us as well, but we'll have to look at the logistics of that as well. As always, keep in touch with us on the social media, at Facebook and Instagram, at Running Rugby Podcast, or, or on Twitter, at Running Rugby Pod. Uh, make sure to subscribe Spotify and Apple iTunes and all major platforms. We're on there and let your friends know as well, guys. Um, that's all it from us this week. Going to be another big round. We'll be watching. Hopefully you'll be watching, but we'll be back next week. Keep on running. Run. to another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast. Podcast? Podcast? <laughs> <laughs>